We are now just four days out from the U.S. men's national team taking on Mexico in Estadio Azteca. Tom is here with me, the AKA soccer nerd. I am Jake Beef America. And we're going to talk through the game theory of how the U.S. should play out their starting 11s and these players. Some of them have yellow card accumulations that they're in danger of missing the next game when they get a yellow card. Some of them have been playing a lot for their club teams and maybe are at risk for injury. We have a ton of injuries as well. Uh, we just need to talk about that a little bit. Uh, Brendan Aronson is the latest to go down. He is supposedly with the team, but we haven't seen any pictures or anything. But with all due respect, let's get started with today's episode. Tom, how are you, my friend? Um, I think tired is the best word to describe it. It's kind of a miracle I'm conscious right now. We just closed up a very frustrating night on the telescope about five hours ago. I've running on about two hours of sleep since... It's Friday, so I'm here ready to talk some soccer, but I'm a little bit tired and a little bit nervous for this week. Okay, we'll get your weird and wacky and lucid <laughs> thoughts then. So first off, I've, I've given my opinions on the roster through a different video on the channel, but I just want to hear from you what you think of the roster. I think there were 28 names called, 27 names called in. What are your thoughts? Are there certain areas that you're very happy about or upset with Greg about? With all things considered, it's a fairly decent roster. I, you know, I like the forward selection. I think that we, you know, pretty much hit the nail on the head with our strikers, with our wingers we called in. I think that the central midfield is probably the best we have available. Happy to see Sebastian Legette is taking a sort of a absence from the team to work on his form with his club. I think that that's deserved at this point. Uh, a little bit concerned about our fullback situation, but you could make the argument that maybe Joe Scally should be there instead of George Bellow. Beyond that, you know, it's probably one of Burhalter's better rosters. It's the guys he trusts and it's a group that I think can get the job done in these next two weeks. Yeah, definitely. And about Brendan Aronson's injury, he apparently had a bruised knee over the weekend before he even got to start for RB Salzburg. If we do call in another player to replace him, is there someone that you think kind of fits that mold or do we call in, John Brooks, just because we, we have another <laughs> roster spot open. It, there's been a lot of talk about it. We had a great discussion yesterday on the FIFA America Discord about this. There seem to be two competing schools of thought and then a third that seems to be the way U.S. soccer is going. So there's the school of thought that you call in a hybrid winger midfielder of a Georgie Mihailovic type, someone who can deputize as an eight or can also play in the wing if you need some rotation minutes there. Uh, be a good name to call. He's in great form to start the MLS season. He scored this weekend against Atlanta. Uh, another school of thought is to call in someone who can play Aronson's winger position, but can also deputize as a striker if you need him in that position, which would be a Josh Sargent type. Josh Sargent is probably the best presser we could call in to replace Aronson. And then there's the third school of thought where you call in a veteran who can sort of help lead this camp. That's the Sebastian Legette school of thought. Uh, that seems to be what Ryan is saying that U.S. Soccer Federation might be leaning towards. In that case, we would see maybe Christian Roldan pushed from his forward position, his midfield position up into the forward slots. I think I personally prefer the Mihailovic route. I think some extra creativity is always a good thing in a window like this. But I don't know what U.S. Soccer is going to do. Yeah, I mean, nobody does. And that has been true for many, many years. <laughs> All right, so let's do you have a preferred? A of... <laughs> what? Do you have a preferred of those three? 
I mean, Mihailovic is someone that I could have seen called into the regular roster. I don't necessarily know why he's not. Like, I could have understood, you know, him not being on the roster if there were other players that it was going to be their first times in these World Cup qualifying windows. But the fact of the matter is, like, Eric Palmer Brown, for instance, is on this roster. Um, Gianluca Busio is back on the roster as a center midfielder. They're not necessarily the same players, but we we have seen like <laughs> Greg is able to bring in new players to these rosters, mm-hmm. to these qualifying windows. Why isn't it sometimes the players that are most in form and have potentially been with the team before? Like Mihailovic was going to be with the team in December, but was on or on trial at Bologna. So he's on the radar, obviously. He's been talking to the Federation. I just don't understand, you know, we can bring in another player. There's no roster restrictions as far as it goes before the, the game is played. So, yeah, for me, Mihailovic is the person that I would want to see. But honestly, Josh Sargent makes a ton of sense. Um, mm-hmm. Not despite the fact that our striker position is somewhat thin as well. Like Ferreira, Pifak, and Pepe. I don't necessarily know what the plan is there. I think we're going to talk about it a little but mm-hmm. depending on who plays in Azteca and starts in Azteca, I wouldn't necessarily think they're going to be ready to play in Panama or in Orlando yeah. against Panama. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, I mean, for me, good roster all around. It's just like the the positions that mattered, Greg got right. But that's such an easy thing to do when it's like very... <laughs> Very easy to call in your best 11 or your best 14, 15 players. I think on the fringes, I would have done a lot of different things from him. On the John Brooks Mm -hmm. point, at this point, I feel like it's more just Greg sees him as the third or fourth on the depth chart of the center back position. And he's just too big of a personality to come and sit on the bench the entire time. And Greg, (laughs) whether he doesn't want to deal with that or it's just not going to be a good experience for John Brooks. And he wants to wait till he's kind of back in better form. I don't know how how much better form John Brooks is ever going to be in. He's in fine yeah. form right now to join the national team. I don't I don't understand it. I've given up on trying to understand it, frankly. It's just sort of baffling that we're not playing him at this point. I feel like, especially with Chris Richards injured, you would think you would want a passer like John Brooks to be on the roster. Especially for a game like Costa Rica, where we know that the Tigos can do nothing but bunker at this point. But... Mm-hmm. I don't know. And that's not to say, like, I think a lot of people will look at the John Brooks situation and try to put down others that are on this roster instead of him. But where I'm coming from is I don't necessarily mind that Aaron Long or James Sands or Eric Palmer Brown are on this roster. I think they all have value to give to this team in different situations. It's more just John Brooks is probably ahead of them in the depth chart. It's not that Mm. we don't need to denigrate those players because they're still deserving of their spot. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. Aaron Long has been back into his crazy good form in MLS. James Sands is such a versatile player. And Eric Palmer Brown has been playing great in France. It's sort of a great step up for him in his career. He's deserved this call-up. There's been a couple in Europe who could be on this roster, and I'm glad to see Eric Palmer Brown's the first of the three to really break in. It is a bit scary to me, though, that Eric Palmer Brown is the only center back that's really in form. out of any of them on our roster like miles robinson i mean i'd love to hear your thoughts on him in atlanta hasn't had a great start to the season aaron long is doing well but they've the red bulls have cooled off in their last two games 
James Sands has just gotten his one of his first starts of the season a few days ago. Um, and Eric Palper Brown has been consistently getting seven, seven point five ratings over the last mm-hmm. few weeks. Zimmerman's in good form, but Zimmerman also, you know, it's hard not to be in good form with Nashville because they're basically set up that he can't have bad games. Like Nashville's built around him. So it's hard to sort of argue that he could ever be in anything other than pretty yeah. good form. But what what do you think is happening with Miles Robinson? And is is it still kind of like different where it's a national team form versus club form where you would still, because personally, like I would still start him as one of the first two center backs mm-hmm. for the U.S. national team, but does it worry you at all his club form? His club form worries me, although Atlanta's been in a weird situation. I personally... Maybe not be the worst, best person to ask about this right now, just through a confluence of circumstances. I've yet to watch a single minute of Atlanta United this year, despite the fact that I really enjoy watching them. Uh, but the highlights I've seen, he's just getting beat a little bit too easily, getting turned, conceding penalties, getting red cards. I I don't know if it's the fact that he's being asked to be a leader on the back line. He's being asked to be a, actually a full leader. They're without their two defensive midfielders. They're without their starting right back. They're without... They're playing Brooks Lennon as a right winger because they don't have any right wingers. They're that that makes for younger back line. Uh, Alan Franco's been out injured. He's just basically the only healthy veteran in the back six or seven players that Atlanta's got. So I don't know if it's his leadership is not great or what's going on, but it's not been an inspiring start to the year for him. Yeah. I think something that makes me feel a bit better, though, is that when he is paired with Miles Rob or when he is paired with Walker Zimmerman, it seems like Zimmerman's kind of steadiness and leadership helps to calm him down, and he has much better games there. You mm. mentioned James Sands' versatility, and that, that's how I want to transition us to talk about the Mexico game, because there there are kind of principles that fans seem to. I thought. I thought there would be principles that fans would align on going into Mexico. And those principles would be don't necessarily start your best 11 against Mexico because mathematically and just game theory wise, the game against Panama is way more important to the U S and their hopes of qualifying. I've been finding a a lot of accounts lately, especially on Twitter um, calling for us to start our best 11 against Mexico. Now, James Sands, in my mind, is called in because it gives us versatility to play a five-in-the-back system. And potentially, we did see a five-in-the-back for a few minutes in the Nations League final against Mexico as well. And James Sands played a bit of that part in the Gold Cup. So where do you stand on this debate of, do we play our best 11 against Mexico? That's a mile above sea level. Transatlantic flights for a lot of these players I mean, I'm, I'm leading the witness here, but what do you think of <laughs> what we should do against Mexico? If you've been, so the people who are on the FIFA America Discord are going to have seen this conversation yesterday. It played out for a while that I am firmly in the camp of rotate as much as possible for the Mexico match. It's not going to be the most popular decision in the U.S. fan base. It's going to cause a lot of panic bells to go off when that alarm or when that roster drops and we see, you know, a completely rotated or mostly rotated 11 in Azteca, but it just makes too much sense for me that we prioritize the matches against Costa Rica and against Panama. The math shows that those are much easier matches to get points in. We probably have less than a 50% chance of even getting a draw, much less a win in that match. So 
in Mexico. So might as well rest the starters' legs, make sure that we take advantage of the fact that Costa Rica and Panama have must-win matches before they play the U.S. So they'll be a little bit more tired. We'll have fresher legs. We won't have to deal with the altitude effects that, you know, we've seen in CONCACAF Champions League. Montreal got smashed the way after they played in Azteca. They lost to New York City FC 4-1 and gave up, what, two goals building out of the back? Yeah, they were terrible. Um, we don't want to see something like that happen against Panama because we, you know, went all out for a risky point at Mexico. So for yeah. me, it just from a game theory standpoint, from a exhaustion standpoint, from a take advantage of tired legs that Costa Rica and Panama will come in with standpoint, this just screams to me that Mexico needs to be one that we just sort of concede the victory, play for a draw with our backup players. And, you know, if we are within striking distance late, maybe you throw Pulisic on for 20 minutes to try and maybe steal a result at the end. But I'm not going all out for three points because that three points is a very risky three. And I'm just not willing to risk it in favor of losing out on the rest of the window. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people would say, though, that our talent, even our second layer of talent on this roster is enough to get it done against Panama. So are you like thinking through that if we started our second best 11 or rotated slightly, depending on how people are feeling after the Mexico match, would you still not feel as comfortable going into that Panama game? I So when you look at the math, pretty much everything hinges on the Panama result. Like, we have like a 95% chance of qualifying at this point, and I'd say a good 85% of that is we beat Panama. <laughs> Um, like it is such an important match that I don't want anything other than the full best 11, the best we can throw at them and sort of make them play the most difficult home match that we can possibly give them. Yeah. I think people are forgetting as well, just how strong this Mexico team could come out. I mean, their front three could be Jimenez, Lozano and Corona, their middle three, they're only missing Hector Herrera to yellow card accumulation. So they still have Edson Alvarez. They still have Guardado and their back line isn't bad either. Most of them play in the Mexican first division Liga MX, which if you're looking at our defense, it's not necessarily playing at a higher level either. Um, mm-hmm. And I think if you put that roster, even up against our best 11, that's healthy right now. We don't have Weston McKinney. Pulisic has played a lot of minutes. Gio Reyna just played his first 90 minutes in, I don't know, seven months. Over the weekend, Brendan Aronson is injured. Serginho Dest is injured. John Brooks is with the team. Like, it goes on and on. Yeah. Um, This Mexico team, on paper, with all of our injuries at home in Azteca, like, people are really blowing out of proportion, I think, the chance that we have to get three points. Like, I'm not even seeing a draw as the, like, approved... Yes, we did it in Azteca. I feel like people are building this up just because we've beaten Mexico three times in a row now. And I'll remind everyone that we beat Mexico in the U.S. We beat them when they had multiple injuries. Ozano was out for a while. Um, Corona wasn't at his best. And this, the way that we're coming out to play against Mexico, again, James Sands is kind of the key here. I think this is this could be the reason why he's on the roster. If we play a five in the back system, if we try and counter with, I mean, we if we have, uh, I know this is going to get flamed, but Jordan Morris and maybe Timothy Weah on the wings, 
two very fast players to try and play in transition and get behind their fullbacks because Mexico does like to counterpress. They do like to hold possession and bring the full, their fullbacks up to attack. I just think like it might not be the best thing <laughs> to come out with our best 11. And I'll, I'll continue to remind you guys the reason why I think the reason why we had that great result against Mexico in the first qualifying game at home was because our midfield completely dominated theirs. We had Tyler Adams, uh, Eunice Musa, and Weston McKinney all had incredibly good games. Edson Alvarez was completely shut down from the Mexican perspective. If, if we're resting Tyler Adams to be at his best and not be suspended for the Panama game, <laughs> that leaves you with only one of those midfielders that bossed that game, Eunice Musa. The rest would be down to Kellen Acosta, Luca De La Torre, Gianluca Busio, Christian Roldan maybe to, to hold down that midfield. And I just, objectively, it's not as strong. We're not going to dominate the play and dictate the play as much as we did in the home match. No, it's going to look a lot more like the Nations League final, no matter what midfield we throw out there. And, you know, that was not a pretty match. We struggled to, we struggled, we fought through a lot of shots, a lot of conceded possession. That's what Mexico is going to be able to throw at us the entire game. It's going to look a lot like what a Jamaica or a Panama match would look like in Azteca, where we're just sort of hoping to maybe get a goal on the counter and just sit back and absorb pressure. I don't yeah. see any way where we don't have that happen. James Sands actually, anytime I see him on a roster, I assume we're going to try a back three at some point because I just don't see him playing in any other role except for that sort of hybrid six center of the back three where he can step up and move back the way he did so well in the in the Gold Cup. So it might be the time to throw that out there. Uh, Kellen Acosta in the Nations League final and in the Gold Cup final actually looked great as a dual eight. Uh, playing in those matches, especially when we were in a back three. So I'm pretty comfortable having him with an eight if we have to go into a back three system. If we're going to go with the four three three, I think that it makes sense that he's going to be the six because he's looked better at the six than he has in any other position for the national team. I don't see any way Adams starts. I would be shocked and frankly a little annoyed if I saw Adams on the starting <laughs> 11 for that match. So I guess for me, like that is one of two principles that I want to see. I don't necessarily care what the starting 11 looks like against Mexico, mm -hmm. as long as two of these things, both of these things happen for me. The first is that Tyler Adams does not see the field unless it's a complete emergency. And the other principle that I want to see is that Christian Pulisic and Gio Reyna, neither of them play more than 45 minutes. Otherwise, yeah. like, go crazy, Greg. Do whatever you want. <laughs> um, I want, I, like, I think a lot of people watch this and be like, why are you conceding these three points to Mexico? But I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I don't want to see us get three points. I'm not saying I don't want us to get a draw. I don't, I'm not saying I don't want us to get a result in Mexico. I'm just saying, I think people are inflating how easy that would be and how important that match against Panama is. And I'm like my ultimate goal at this point, like if you had asked me yeah. before we played 11 games, I would mm. say I want to finish first in the group. I want to beat Mexico. I want to get to, into pot one going into the World Cup. Mm -hmm. We are where we are. We missed the 2018 World Cup. I yeah. just want to qualify. And yeah, we, we just, and as soon as we qualify, as soon as it's locked in, 
then we can go hard at the federation then we can go hard at greg but like mm -hmm. let's qualify first guys yeah please yeah no it's all about qualifying you know this is why everyone is so on edge we've got to qualify and basically that road runs through a game with panama basically whoever wins that match finishes third in the group that's as far that's about as much as i can say about that is that that match is so so huge for our chances Panama gets a free three points against Honduras this first match. They're going to be within one of us, assuming Mexico probably is going to get three points against us in the first match. So we're going to need to put four points between us and them when it comes time to, you know, meet yeah. in Orlando. And if we beat them, they cannot finish above us. Our main challenge will be finishing above Costa Rica at that point. And Costa Rica would need a miracle in order to finish above us, even if they beat us. So, yeah. yeah, those three points against Panama are basically the only things that matter this window. Four mathematically does it, but three is just basically qualified at this point. As long yeah. as it comes against Panama, and if it doesn't come against Panama, it has to come against Costa Rica. Because if you look at the scenarios where we finish fifth, which there are scenarios where we finish fifth, all of them involve us getting points against Mexico and none against Costa Rica or Panama. I can't see that happening, though. Like there's Matt Doyle outlined. <laughs> if you go to his Twitter today, he has a big thread about rotating against Mexico. And he outlined a full, very detailed scenario where we beat Mexico in the Azteca and finish fifth. <laughs> I don't know if I want to and be amplifying Matt Doyle's realistic. message today. <laughs> I know that it's very bad to agree with Matt Doyle and we, none of us do it very often, but I find today I am actually agreeing with him on pretty much everything he's saying. And it's weird. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't. I'm not agreeing with what he's saying. I just think like I I personally feel like I'm in a very weird space because I feel like I'm right in the middle of this very wide spectrum of fans, like how they want the team to run out against Mexico and Panama. Um, mm -hmm. If they want to see full rotation, if they're agreeing with Matt Doyle or I don't know, USMNT keyboard warrior, <laughs> like I'm right in the middle of that. I I want a result against Mexico. I want to give us the best chance to get a result against Mexico. But Panama has to be the priority for the U.S. men's national team. I'll go as far as to say that I personally am in a little bit more of the Doyle camp where I would leave Tyler Adams and Christian Pulisic in Houston. Just those two just haven't trained. They don't even need to days. fly. <laughs> don't even need to fly. Don't even need to go to the altitude. Just leave them in Houston to train by themselves. Send them to Orlando ahead of time. They'll be completely fresh and ready to go. We I don't still know. I have a full 23. <laughs> I kind of want them to go sit on the bench and then for Greg Berhalter to pull a Jesse Marsh where in the post game he's like, nah, Calvin, Phil Calvin Phillips was never going to play. <laughs> that was a ruse. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, Jesse Marsh had a player that was coming back from injury and uh, he was asked in the post game if he was ever going to come on and Jesse Marsh just said, no, absolutely not. He was just on the bench to... To make the other team think about it, and maybe that's what we do with Christian Pulisic and Tyler Adams. All right, so if those are my two principles against Mexico, do you have any fundamental principles that the U.S. needs to follow against Mexico and then Panama? I, my principle is defense first against Mexico. You know, I think a bunker is going to be easier to play than, you know, a dominating build-through-possession-style game that Greg Berhalter likes to play. I would love to see us maybe I would love to see us rest Adams. I think that's, you know, number one, Tyler Adams can't play. Number two, I don't think Christian Pulisic should play at all. Number three, I think we should really consider resting Anthony Robinson as well. Um, 
Anthony Robinson, we know can go 270. He's been an Iron Man for us this entire window. But the altitude is not a joke. I don't I don't think if you've never lived at altitude, it's very hard to sort of convey just how brutal it is on the human body to have to do anything physically ex- physically exhausting at altitude. Being 7,000 feet in the air, you don't have as much oxygen. You get tired so easily. You know, when I first moved to New Mexico, I couldn't walk up a staircase. Um, every time I bring friends to New Mexico, they have to take hours long naps after simple hikes. Um, these guys, even though they're world-class professional athletes, running 11 miles in 90 minutes is going to kill them. And I don't think that even our Ironmen should be expected to go 270 this window. So if we have a player who we think we want to go 270, they shouldn't start against Mexico because they can't do it. Yeah. I don't feel like that's too much to ask of their bodies to make them do that. So maybe your Walker Zimmerman's, your Anthony Robinson's, those are the type of players who we might consider resting as well. Yeah. I'm more worried about fullbacks that need to get up and down the field more than center backs. Not saying that yeah, Walker Zimmerman doesn't work hard, but it's same. much easier for a center back to play 270, yeah. I think, uh, than a fullback. Um, and I agree. But I, one thing that is kind of creeping into my mind just in terms of the global game now is the fact is Mexico also has a very global team, especially their front mm-hmm. six. I don't think they're necessarily going to be completely prepared, although they have played their qualifiers there before. So I think they understand what to expect a bit more than the U.S. team. But in terms of like how your body is regulating it and how used to the altitude it is, maybe there's something to be said that the Mexican team isn't necessarily like completely instilled in that environment. There, There is, I've been talking a little bit about this with people that, yeah, they're basically their front six will be struggling just as much as the U.S. front six with the physical altitude itself. However, I'm not really worried about the game itself. I think that, you know, despite that these are despite the altitude these are still world-class athletes they can get through a 90-minute match at altitude it'll be rough it'll be like playing a match and a half but they can do it i'm more worried about the recovery and the game three days later at sea level that's a much bigger concern for me it's gonna be a lot harder to make yourself go and play a full 90 three days later and our match is a lot more crucial than Honduras away. So, you know, the front six in Mexico will have to adjust to it, but they can rotate and still get three points. That Honduras team's not good. We know that. Um, yeah. Whereas we don't have that luxury. Yeah, definitely. Well, breaking news is that Taylor Twelman has just tweeted that Brendan Aronson is out for the World Cup qualifiers with an MCL injury, two to four weeks timetable for return. So shout out to our girl, Meg Swanick, who actually did have the right information all along. And um, I think I, I think the situation, though, is there that USSF just really wanted to make sure before they uh, made any statements if Aronson would potentially be available. But it looks like he won't be. All right. We've talked a little bit about the game theory, why Panama game is so important to us. Just one other question that comes from the Discord from Tobes Laroni. Thank you, Tobes, for the question. He asked if if there's ever a window that he finds himself less sure of what to do when it comes to the three starting lineups, um, rather than requesting exactly what lineups we want to see against Mexico or Panama, what name on the team sheet would ama- would immediately make you go, that's a mistake for each of these matches? So maybe let's start with the game against Mexico. 
I think that the first name that comes to both our minds is Tyler Adams is a mistake against Mexico. Agreed. Yeah. That's that's a big mistake for me. I think that I would put Christian Pulisic in that category too, just because I value his contribution to the team so much. Beyond that, I, I'm with Gio you. Reina? Go crazy. Gio Reyna, I think that Gio Reyna would also be a mistake, at least in the starting 11. I didn't yeah. not oppose him playing 30 minutes at the end of that match. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those are the big three. I think the more starters, the more people I see is like first choice on that starting 11, the more that I'm going to say this is a mistake. I'm with you. That's just sort of my my take on it. I'm no, pull- probably, maybe Reggie Cannon's in that boat for me. I, I, I think I value him against Panama more than Yedlin, so I would rather see Yedlin against Mexico, but that probably comes down to personal preference. I'm with you only because I think Yedlin will play better against Mexico <laughs> than, than if I'm worrying about him being the starting 11 against Panama. There is one school of thought, which I thought was a really interesting point from Twitter. I'm sorry, I forget who posted this, but they they basically said, if if Tyler Adams gets a yellow against Mexico, if, if Tyler Adams plays against Mexico and gets a yellow, he will be able to play two games in this window where, because he'll serve his suspension against Panama and then play against Costa Rica. If we save him in Mexico and then play him in Panama and he gets a yellow card in Panama, then he will have only played one game in the qualifying window because he will be suspended for the Costa Rica match. To me, that... It was a good point, but it didn't push me enough over the edge to say it is a mistake or it is a mistake for Tyler Adams to play against Mexico. What do you say to that? I we've been how long have we been talking about Tyler Adams yellow card? When did he pick it up? You only need two. So <laughs> like Jordan yeah. Peacock is also on a yellow card accumulation. Yeah, yeah. Zach Steffen is as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but Tyler Adams has been on this yellow since like October, right? He's also, like, I will say, too, Tyler Adams is a player that I would trust to not get a yellow. But you can't hamstring a player like that in a game as important Mm -hmm. against Mexico, especially when Mexico can kill us on the transition. Kellen Acosta at the six, if he needs to make a smart foul to stop a transition play, and that's not something that Tyler Adams can do because he's waiting for a yellow, well, then we're back to the discussion of that could be worth one point for three points. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm still in the camp that Tyler Adams should not play at all against Mexico, but I thought it was an interesting yeah. point. My my point with the asking how long he's been with the card is he's really good at playing on a yellow. Like, of all the players I trust to play a very important match on a yellow and not pick one up, it's Tyler Adams. He can just – he doesn't commit dumb fouls. He's always in such a good position that I'm not that worried about him picking up a Weston McKenney style dumb yellow that gets him suspended. I'm not that yeah. worried about him picking up a cheap one going in recklessly to a challenge. If he picks up a yellow, it will be a desperation yellow that prevents us from failing to qualify for the world cup. So yeah. I'm, I'm not worried about him at all. I'm with you. All right. So who's the name that makes you say that's a mistake against Panama? Ooh, I, think you have to go to the midfield and it's got to be Christian Roldan and Kellen Acosta. I think both you're of those win. names. I think both of those names are, I wouldn't mind seeing either of them off the bench to close down a sloppy one Oh win, but mm. I don't think that I'm starting either of them in a match this important. Yeah. I, I will agree with Roldan. I'll also go with James Sands 
just because mm-hmm. in my mind, the center back position against Panama is locked in to not include James Sands. <laughs> and yeah. that midfield does not have any space for him either. So I'm mm-hmm. with you. Chris Roldan or James Sands are the two names that I would say that's an absolute mistake against mm-hmm. Panama. I'll throw George Bello on there as well. Okay. Because Anthony Robinson should play in that game. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that Anthony Robinson is one of our most valuable players in the starting 11 at this point. So I would be a little bit unhappy to see his name come up on the team sheet. I would be as well because (laughs) I rate Jedi way more than I rate George Bellow, at least right now. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, George Bellow isn't the worst backup to to have at the left back position. No, we're complaining about a player like George Bellow's quality as being in the starting 11, that, that we're in a good spot with the left back position right now. I think that our problems there are a little bit overblown at the present moment. I know that no one sort of staked their name to that backup spot, but mm-hmm. no, Bello is playing well in Germany and he was always a great player who sort of had confidence issues for the national team. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I trust him. I mean, remember who started at center back in, in Cuba against Trinidad and Tobago? <laughs> One yep. Omar Gonzalez. So yep. don't remind this, this me. This is what we're working with. Yeah. If we're arguing about George Bellow versus Jedi, then we're in a, a better spot than we were. Although I guess we're not because there's still a chance we don't qualify. Um, all right. So we're getting further and further out in terms of what the points are going to be and what we need to do against Costa Rica. But are there any names that you would say that's an absolute mistake to see on the, the starting 11 against Costa Rica? I don't know. I I think it's going to have to really depend on who's playing that match and the performances. So if we have, you know, I think that we'll see both right backs get a match in their first two matches. And then from there, I'm going to want whoever performs better to be on the roster. And I don't really know who that's going to be yet. Um, So the other one's probably going to be my big mistake for that match. I whatever midfield is healthy, I still think that I want some combination that includes Yunus Musa, Luca Della Torre, and maybe Gianluca Busio. But I don't really know if there's a name that I would be unhappy to see there. Yeah. If, if we're already qualified, is there a mm-hmm. name that you want to see on the starting 11? I wouldn't mind seeing Ricardo Pepe get another start. I don't think that he's going to be a name that crops up as a starter in either of our first two matches. So if we're already qualified, it'd be a great match to sort of give him a confidence goal. Um, Yeah, it's... I don't know. It's going to be just a very weird window. And, you know, these third matches in the window are already are always so difficult to really predict exactly what it's going to look like. Um, yeah. My instinct tells me that it's going to be as close to a best 11 as possible after Panama, just because we're going to need to at least make sure they don't beat us by four goals. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> God, I'm like, <laughs> you've just reignited a, a greatest fear inside me. Which they did. They did last time. <laughs> God. <laughs> just stop talking, Tom. <laughs> just sorry. <laughs> all right, you've been up for too long. You're you're not making sense. You're scaring all the the plebeians away. <laughs> but uh, all right, just throw the scenarios this, out there. <laughs> yeah, these games are coming up quick. This is probably going to be the last podcast before the Mexico game, and then we'll get back together this weekend. Sorry, guys, because Ryan is currently out with COVID. We hope he feels better. Manny is at school. 
so we can't uh, get all of our timelines together, but um, really appreciate you joining me, Tom. Any last words mm-hmm. from you? Hang in there. <laughs> it's it's we're gonna get through this together. Let's do this respectfully, and you know, make sure that we're not jumping down each other's throats as we get closer to this match. I know this is a really nerve wracking time, but we're gonna get through it. The odds are that we're going to be qualified for the World Cup sooner rather than later. And when we do, it's going to be a great relief to everyone. So yes. I'm a little bit, I'm going to have to lodge a formal complaint with the U.S. Soccer Federation for putting this window and CONCACAF for putting this window the week before my thesis is due. Um, I'm not really sure who made that decision, but it was a really a- <laughs> annoying decision on my front <laughs> because it just adds to the stress here. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I'm excited for it. <laughs> Nice. That Mexico game is a doozy. It's at 2 a.m. on Friday morning for me. The other games are a bit more manageable. I think they'll be at midnight um, on Monday morning, Sunday night for me. But I love the U.S. men's national team. I love U.S. soccer. I will be there with everybody. Um, If you guys want a live chat option, make sure to join the Discord. I'll put that link down in the description. That's where we talk about U.S. soccer 24-7 and everything else under the sun. So thanks, everyone, so much for watching. If you are listening on a podcast, please make sure to give this a positive review as it really helps to boost us up the charts. Otherwise, we'll see you after the Mexico match on Friday. Take it easy, everyone.